How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney Files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. Ladies and gentlemen, the president will now be here to answer any questions. <laughs> well, thank you all for coming. I, I do have time for a couple of questions. Over here, Mr. President. Uh, Mr. President. Uh, you, yeah, you there. Stackers from CNN. The people want to know, what is the best Disney song? That's all the time I have for today. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you, you, can't, you can't walk away from this. Mr. Mr. President. Hello, hello. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I am Will. And on this show, we will be breaking each animated Disney classic down, song by song, in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? Ha, that's funny. What's the matter? Don't you know? Oh, sure. It's, it's just that I never thought about it before. You know what? I think we nailed that. Uh, it feels actually like a weird s- foot to start the episode off on because mm. uh, I'm so used to just repeating that Can't about stop, six times. Do it again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Hello. Welcome back. How are you, Stackers? I'm pretty good. How are you? Um. Yeah. Look, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I. You know. It's um. Uh. For, for those who know that we're teachers, it's holidays at the moment. Whoop whoop. I don't know. That was my attempt at techno. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's pretty good. I'm just uh hanging out. You know, watching movies. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, I was wondering, have you seen Soul? I have not seen Soul oh, yet. No. Yeah, it came out in that sort of weird... When did it come out? It was like over the Christmas break or something, I think. No, it came out like um, two months ago. Or oh, something. did it? Yeah. Oh, either way, I just was busy at the time and I didn't mm. get a chance to sit down and watch it. Really want to watch it though. Yeah, I was thinking about it on the way here. Um, it's good. It's yeah. very like inside out vibes. Yeah, yeah. Very like I was watching it with my mum and at one point she said, is this made for children? And I was like, I don't really know. Right, okay, okay. Because uh, Pixar is pretty good at sort of straddling that line, I guess, between what's good for adults and what's good for children. Mm. So this sort of falls more on the adult side of it then, does it? Yeah, it really okay. does. It's very like it's deep, man. Yeah, it's cool. Deep. But right. really good voice cast. I don't know. Yeah. Let me know your thoughts when you've seen that. I will. I'll check it out. I'll mm. check it out. I'll put it on the list. The never-ending list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, I haven't really been watching a lot of movies lately, even though I said I've been sitting down and watching movies. I've actually been watching American Horror Story. Angie and I have been, like, yes. binging through that, which is really enjoyable but has really varying degrees of writing quality. quality. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, we watched the first season, mm-hmm. thought it was a bit sort of 
cliche and yeah. cheesy, but then Asylum was fantastic. Yeah, it's a, that's one of the best ones. Yeah, and then Coven sort of bounced back a little bit into the cheese, we, but it was still good. Have you it, finished Coven? Yeah, we just finished oh, it last Stevie night. Stevie Nicks. Yeah. <laughs> when she finally, I mean, I don't know if that's a spoiler, too bad, it's from like a decade ago. 2013, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but when she finally appears in an episode, you're yeah. just like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's been really fun. But, yeah, apart from that, just watching movies for our podcast. So. Yes. Yeah, so um, look... I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. Feel free to cut it if it is. But we're going to be doing some bonus episodes coming up. Um, so we've been sort of doubling down on the movies that we are watching. Which and is how exciting. can people hear those, Will? Well, Will. <laughs> they can uh, sign up to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash dissecting Disney. Only $3 an episode. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know where where else I would love to see a lot more love is on our Facebook page. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we talk a lot about other little clips of things or references to images and things. We post those on our Facebook page. So if you haven't followed us yet, go check it out. There's a lot of really cool videos and things that we've posted there yep. recently, including a photo of you and an Udi next yes. to the fairy godmother. <laughs> Always thought uh, Udi's were the most ridiculous thing and then I put it on and my God, do not take me out of it. Worth it? Oh, so Should I get it. one? Yeah, def- definitely should. Yeah. We are not sponsored by Udi, but if you do work for them. <laughs> Hello, Udi. <laughs> I'm Stackers. This is Will. Oh, good. God. Okay. <laughs> Look, what are we here to talk about, Stackers? Peter Pan. Stats from Stackers. The year is 1953. It's been two years since we had Alice in Wonderland. Mm. The music is by Sammy Fain, Oliver Wallace and Frank Churchill. And the lyrics are by Sammy Cohen, Erdman Penner, Jack Lawrence, Ted Sears and Winston Hibbler. So there's a whole bunch of people credited for the music in here. We know Sammy Fain from Alice in Wonderland. Um, Oliver Wallace has scored most of the Disney films so far and he did score this as well, but there's a lot of new names on the lyrics line. In the cast, we have Bobby Driscoll as Peter Pan, Catherine Beaumont returning as Wendy this time. She was the voice of Alice in Alice in Wonderland. And in the role of Mr. Smee, we've got the highly recognisable voice of Bill Thompson, who we just heard as the White Rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Mm, Very, very recognisable voice and very... um indistinguishable in a lot of ways from the white rabbit yeah almost too indistinguishable yeah it's no weird. absolutely and even like um the characterization of smee um and you know we'll get into this more in a minute but like the animation of him angie just sort of looked at the screen once and went oh doc's back like <laughs> doc from snow white he just looks very similar to that there's a lot of uh, recycling almost in yeah this movie. i feel like yeah. um he starts off flat stick as the white rabbit and then he tries to put on this weird like pirate accent in some points yeah, that yeah. doesn't because he hasn't really done it either side of that. I don't know. I thought he was very miscast yeah. in this role. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Um, Catherine Beaumont sounds exactly the same. Yep. Peter. White <laughs> um, rabbit. Bobby Driscoll. Do you know much about him? 
Uh, the name sounds really familiar, but I could not tell you where or why. So he was the child star of Disney at the time. So he right. was big in the live action. He was in okay. Treasure Island and Song of the South. Uh, okay, yeah. As yep. the young boy. And so he he voiced Peter Pan and they based the animation around him. If you look at a photo of him and an image of Peter Pan, he looks they've he looks like Peter Pan. Right. Okay, because I was thinking, um, and it comes back to what Angie was saying about Doc. I think I thought he looked a lot like Lampwick from um, Pinocchio. Okay, a very sort of similar, like yeah. almost pointy face. He does. So yeah. it's interesting that he was modelled off the actor and not like just a stock image that mm. Peter that Disney had at the time. Yeah, he looks a lot like him. So he had a really tragic life. Okay, after this movie, so. After he did Peter Pan, um, they cancelled his contract probably because he was getting a bit older because he was, I think, a late teenager when Mm. he did this role. But Disney seems like such a reasonable guy when it comes to contracts. (laughs) So by the time he was 17, he was a drug addict. Oh, God. Mostly heroin. And then he tried to get work. He went to jail for assault at some point. Got out, couldn't get work because he was basically a criminal. Um, and then he died of a drug overdose um, at the end of the 60s. He was 31, I think. Wow. And some kids found him in an alleyway, but there was no identification on him. So he was buried in an unmarked grave. Oh, geez. And then I think it was the year later, his mother contacted Disney and said, oh, can you please contact my son because his father's dying and we haven't seen him in so long. And uh, they went to the police, did a fingerprint match and matched it to this John Doe that they'd buried. And then when Song of the South was re-released in, I think it was 1971, Mm. that's when they announced he died. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this was kind of, yeah, the last... Kind of high flying. Oh God, that was a that was an yeah. unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, kids? Was- Double it. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was his um, sort of last work before he just spiraled out of control yeah, and died. Right. Yeah, before he crashed and burned. Mm. Big songs from this were the second star to the right and you can fly. Mm. No other really big hits from this. I think following the leader became a bit of an easy sing song, but. Yeah, I seem to recall hearing that a couple of times at school, like at primary school. Yeah. Um, but in terms of cultural sort of um, zeitgeist, yeah, I don't think I've, I've heard it anywhere else. Mm. Um, so this, in terms of box office, this made slightly more than Alice in Wonderland. And mm. I know Alice was considered uh, not a huge success in any way, shape or form. So I imagine this was probably very similar I can't find a lot of figures to that determines between you know what was what's uh, adjusted for inflation and what's not, but the sort of the one that I think is the most accurate is that the budget was four million dollars, so it was slightly higher than Alice in Wonderland, and it grossed six million dollars. So again, slightly higher than Alice in Wonderland, but mm. again, I imagine considering it's not that much of a, a, a growth, it's probably um, it's probably considered a, a not financially successful as well. Yeah. I mean, this was, yeah, like you said, more successful than Alice in Wonderland and it's probably because it's a little bit more of a straightforward mm. storyline. Yeah, yeah. You know, you think of Snow White and Cinderella and this, they're all pretty mm. linear storylines, yeah, whereas yeah. Alice in Wonderland is... All over the place. Mm, yeah, yeah, total yeah. hodgepodge kind of 
um, what you said, it, you put it really well last time. Um, like vignette yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so for those of you who have not seen Peter Pan in a long time and for those of you who remember it like I did as a lovely little classic Disney tale, Uh I'm about to set that on fire. (laughs) Oh, boy. So when I went to write this synopsis, Mm. I realised that I was starting to write it like I was reviewing it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Yeah, that just so you're warned. <laughs> this is my review of Big Ben, oh, 1953 in, Disney in. film. Peter Pan tells the tale of a misogynistic sociopathic cult leader who takes young boys away from their mothers so he can hunt down American Indians. <laughs> Wendy, the naive, sickeningly soft twit that happens to find Peter's shadow, follows him to Neverland with doughy eyes so that she can be used as a storyteller for the cult boys. Amongst this racist, misogynistic and infuriating storyline, there's also a captain with a hook for a hand who will have you cheering for his side the moment you meet him. If you've seen Once Upon a Time, the place where all Disney films go to die, you will have severe trouble trying to decide who you hate more, the live action Peter or this one. Zero out of five stars. Yeah, I have nothing to add to counter that. I challenge every one of our listeners to re-watch it and think differently. It was such a drag of a movie. It was tough. Hard work. I felt really yeah. uncomfortable actually watching this. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even just the the racial stuff, which we all know it exists in this movie. It even has the warning at the start, which we talked about a little bit with Dumbo and how effective that really is and all that sort of stuff. But it is. It's the the weird misogyny. It's the the weird sexualization of of you know characters like Tinkerbell and and the mermaids and and stuff like that. It's it, there is so much in it. There's so many points where I sort of stopped and went. Whoa. Yeah. Jesus. I just found Peter so incredibly unlikable. Very, very unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, just He's not redeeming no, at all. He is the the quintessential teenage brat. Yeah. He's so difficult. And I so struggled with this movie. And again, like yourself, I, I went into it remembering it quite fondly. I thought, yeah, okay, cool. There's some racial stuff in there that I haven't really watched since I learned more about that. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm preparing myself for that. But the, yeah, the other stuff just caught me completely totally out of the blue. Yeah. yeah. Just hit me. So this is a really, really old story. Mm. Um, it was written in 1904 by J.M. Barry. Yeah. And um, basically it was it turned into a play quite quickly and Walt Disney snuck out and saw that as a kid and then he played Peter in his high school production. Yeah. And so he was obsessed with wanting to make this a Disney film and this was meant to be the film that followed Snow White. Right, okay. But they just couldn't mould it into a palatable, like, animated story. Yeah. Um, and so there are, like, sketches that date back to the 30s mm. of this film. Yeah. But it didn't actually go up until the 50s. Um, well, one of the, um, the the cut songs, which I'll play for you later, was written and recorded in 1939. Yeah. So that tracks, yeah. So um, 
basically we spoke a little bit about Mary Blair last week and David Hall. So David Hall did the quite terrifying designs for Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. He also did quite terrifying designs for Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> and then Mary Blair steps in and saves it. It just seems yeah. to be this like through line of like David Hall says, let's do this. And then Mary Blair's like, let's make it less terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just sand <laughs> off some of these sharp edges. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> so I find the um the story of Peter Pan, like the the story of the the journey of Peter Pan quite interesting. I was really interested in the the um the thing that came up right at the start of the credits about the copyright belonging to the hospital. Yeah, yep. And so I started looking into that and basically J.M. Barry lived behind the Great Ormond Street Hospital, yeah. which specialised in being a hospital for sick children. Mm-hmm. And in 1897 he became friends with this family that had five sons and eventually the parents died and he adopted all five boys. Yeah, right. And the boys' names happened to be George, Jack, Peter, Michael and Nico. So George, Peter and Michael all end up being names yeah, in, the, yeah. in the book, obviously. And then in 1902 he published a book called The Little White Bird. And this is where you come in with your synopsis okay, <laughs> that I have right. sent you. Here we go. <laughs> Just before we jump into the synopsis, um, I believe I got this confused with the Lewis Carroll thing. There is a movie about the writing of Peter Pan, which my understanding is it's quite accurate in terms of portraying that family relationship that he then sort of adopted the children that Finding Neverland with Johnny Depp, which mm. I was really hoping to get in and watch and do a bit of a deep dive. But, yeah, this just, like just watching Peter Pan kind of killed me. So uh, I'll do that another time. Yeah, and that's also a musical now. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, with uh, Matthew, Matthew. Um, um, Glee Man, Matthew M- Morrison. Morrison. Yeah, there we go. And uh, Kelsey Grammer, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was a hardcore flop. But there's a very cool pop album mm. of that. Okay. So they released the cast recording and then a bunch of pop artists re-recorded all the songs yeah, from okay. it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a Hamilton mixtape thing but not. Yeah, right. Um, and I find a lot of the songs on that really cool. When your feet don't touch the ground And your world's turned upside Above the clouds When your feet don't touch the earth You can feel the things that hurt And you're free There's no need to come down find a lot of the songs really listenable. So, Mm. yeah, it's interesting. Um, Anyway, synopsis time. Okay. (coughs) The original story. Peter Pan was originally a chapter in a book entitled The Little White Bird by J.M. Barry in 1902. Once the play Peter Pan was performed in 1904, a group of chapters from The Little White Bird were republished on their own under the title Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens. The original story was about a seven-day-old baby who has such a burning desire to escape home (laughs) that he flies out a window and down to Kensington Gardens. (laughs) What? 
kind of life do you have if your seven-year-old, seven-day-old seven baby that- is just like, no, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest part of the whole thing. This whole story takes place with a seven-day-old baby. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, now Peter Pan's actions kind of make sense. <laughs> a seven-day-old baby. <laughs> Noticing that birds can also fly, he believes himself to be a bird, attempting to scoop up water with his beak, which he does not have, and then falls face first in a puddle. (laughs) Peter can't understand why all the animals run away from him, so in a sort of ugly duckling turn of events, he flies to an island to talk to a head bird about why he doesn't fit in. The head bird basically says, dude, you're human, and then teaches him to live like a bird. (laughs) Why don't all these animals like me? Well, you are the the most dangerous of animals. (laughs) You are human. You are the literal embodiment (laughs) of a predator. (laughs) Living a naked and gay life, Peter realises that he needs to sing all day like birds do. But as he is seven days old, he can't sing, so he makes a set of pan flute pipes out of reeds. Okay. And that's where the uh, the pan flute thing comes in. Yeah, It's interesting. Um, Peter starts getting all emo because he's told that he's never going to grow any older and also will never be fully human again, so he can't go home. So a fairy queen comes along and grants Peter a wish. He wishes to go home to his mum and reluctantly it's granted. So he flies home, sees her asleep and decides before returning home he should go back to the island and say goodbye. He ends up staying too long and they're like, bitch, you can't go home now. (laughs) For some reason he gets another wish, so he flies home again. But hold up. Mum's gone and given birth to his literal replacement, so poor Peter's left to fly back to the gardens solo. He meets a girl named Mamie. Uh, they become friends, and he asks to bone. I, I, I mean, marry her. Yeah, seven yeah. days old. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> She says yes, but then is like, mum will miss me, and goes home. She gives Peter a goat or something, and Peter is all like, I don't understand humans. (laughs) (laughs) You want to marry me? Uh, Yeah, but my mum will miss me. Here's a goat. (laughs) Again, this was a weird, weird story, just thankfully so much shorter than Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) This was only three chapters. I feel feel better for you this week. (laughs) Um, Peter spends the rest of his days riding his goat around the gardens, pining for Mamie, as it is apparently common for little kids to get lost in these gardens and die. Peter makes it his task to bury them and write their names on tombstones made of stones. So when parents come searching for the next morning, they will find the graves of the lost boys. Cheery stuff, really? Jesus. Yeah. So (laughs) he becomes like this keeper of the dead. Yeah. Where so when parents are like, "Where's my son?" Oh, it's all right. I buried him for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he, uh, he's dead, but he's right there. It's all cool. And, and all in cool. the original play, it kind of alludes to with the lost boys. As soon as they start to grow up, Peter Pan kills them. Oh, okay. So like, he's not a good guy. I don't know why people like the story. Anyway, so. <laughs> That was 1902. Yeah, yeah. In 1904, they made the stage play, which is why a lot yeah. of people think Peter Pan started as a play. Okay, And yeah. really in the way that we know it, it did because obviously like that story mm, is mm. kind of irrelevant to how we know it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but interestingly, Captain Hook wasn't in it originally. Oh, okay, yeah. So they ended up putting Captain Hook in it so that they could drop a cloth and change a set. And so <laughs> they put Captain Hook in it to do some sort of like weird little scene. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a bit of a hit with audiences, so they just made him a bigger and bigger character until yeah, okay. he became 
an integral part of the plot. I can't really imagine <laughs> what the plot would have been without him. No, it would have just been a series of events that don't have any conflict. Where's the, yeah, I was going to say, where's yeah. the conflict? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think originally he kidnaps Wendy as well instead of mm, yeah instead Which, of her just following instead him. Instead of him gaslighting her into <laughs> following. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so the, the play was huge and so then uh, he turned it into a novel in 1911 and that became a bestseller. It was called Peter and Wendy at that point. It wasn't called Peter Pan. Okay, yep. In 1929, that's when he gifts the copyright to the hospital. So the Great Ormond Street Hospital to this day owns total copyright. They get royalties with every single performance of the play, the musical. Right, yeah. uh, The sale of any books, merchandise, and any form of adaptation. So that includes every movie ever made, that includes this Disney movie, Finding Neverland, the Finding Neverland musical, right, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. silent films that came the silent film that came before this, any adaptation of this, the money mm. goes there. It's probably a really good thing to do with copyright. Like once the original owner I don't know, don't want to sound grim, but once they pass away, it mm. should be maybe that like some part of the copyright goes towards some charity. Cause I actually really love that there's a hospital out there that can sustain its um, service to patients through the making of, you know, Peter Pan. Mm. That's really great. Yeah, so they basically had asked him to be on the board and he said no. Yeah. But then he said, I will figure out a way to help you in another way and then he gave him this. Okay, yeah. So that, we know that copyright expires all the time. So that yeah. got renewed and renewed and renewed. He died in 1937 and then in 1988 – the House of Lords in the UK made this amendment to the Copyright Act for them that gave them the copyright indefinitely. Yeah. So okay. that will never expire. Wow. They've always got it. And in the agreement that he made with the hospital, he said he never wants them to release information on how much money they have made off Peter Pan. Yeah. And okay. to this day, no one knows. Wow. But it would be billions. Oh, like- yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like that hospital will never close yeah, for lack yeah. of funds. Yeah. Far out. Like they wanted to build a, a new wing. That mm. was their whole problem back then yeah, and now yeah. they've probably <laughs> demolished the building and just started again. It's like an underground <laughs> facility now. It's just like a tech haven. That's the yeah. future is now. Yeah. So it's like it's, it's kind of like a cool story of how this story has mm. come to be. Yeah. The Disney version is very Disney-fied. In that, like, he doesn't kill the lost boys. He doesn't kidnap Wendy. Yeah, yeah. The um, I think the mermaid thing is a bit more sinister in the original as well. Yeah, okay. It's interesting reading that original um, synopsis because I think a lot of my memories of Peter Pan come from Hook, not Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. Which... Uh, you know, I keep hearing arguments that it's not a great movie, but what? I, uh, yeah. who? I'll, I'll fight just, him. Yeah, I'll fight him too. But like, I don't know. People just point at like some of the flaws in the script writing and all that sort of stuff that make it not so good. But I think it's still a really enjoyable movie. And um, the the whole thing about him running away when he was a baby and all that sort of stuff and coming back, but his parents had already given birth to another child. Oh yeah, that's, that's all that. from Hook. So yeah. um, yeah, it's really interesting to see how this story has survived and surpassed mm. the Disney version. Yeah. that it is that a Disney movie, Hook? I don't think Actually, it is. Actually, no, because no. it didn't come up when I searched for it. It came up with um, Cinderella Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Crow. laughs> I think Steven Spielberg was mostly 
Amblin back then, and I don't think Amblin was Disney, but because I, I don't like being wrong, I'm yeah. just going to quickly check. I it. was obsessed with Hook. I was absolutely smitten with Rufio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was the hottest thing I'd ever seen next to the kid from Neverending Story. Um, <laughs> not Bastion. God, not Bastion. The other one, um, Atreyu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atreyu and Rufio were my two childhood crushes. Yeah, okay. I, thought, I just loved a bad boy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> With, I think they both had feathers in their hair. Yeah. TriStar Pictures Tri-Star and Amblin Pictures. Entertainment. Yeah. Ah, there you yeah. go. Well yeah. done. Again, it was my intention to do a deep dive on all of the Peter Pan movies that have been like released, Hook being one of them, the 2003 Peter Pan, I think it is, with Jason Isaacs as um, Captain Hook uh, and the Hugh Jackman Pan. Have you seen any of those movies? The Hugh Jackman Pan. Yeah, there was one that was released like six years ago maybe um, and it was called Pan. Okay. And it was like a prequel to Peter mm. Pan. It was about how Peter Pan and Captain Hook became enemies or something and they were all on the sh- – they were all part of a different captain's crew and that captain was played by Hugh Jackman. Oh. Yeah. I don't think it did very well. So Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't. I think I did see the Disney live action mm. – Thing, I think I saw it, or maybe I just saw a lot of like things from it. Mm. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't remember. I do remember loving this this movie as a kid, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And it is. It's a surprise to sort of jump back into it now and be so shocked by it. Yeah, it's yeah. just not enjoyable. <laughs> Sorry no. for anyone that loves this movie. Yeah, but no, like I said, I challenge you to rewatch it. Convince us otherwise. Mm. Yeah. There were two firsts in this movie. Yep. Uh, the first being Peter Pan was played by a male. Okay. Yep. So Peter Pan oh, had yeah, always been right. played by yeah. women yeah. in the musical, in the silent film, always a woman. Mm-hmm. First time it's played by a male. And also, apart from the silent film, you should look at the silent film from the 20s. Yeah. It's um, it's pretty good. Like, they've got them flying on wires and stuff, but yeah, they, yeah. they do some pretty cool effects in it. What's quite terrifying is Nana... Is a person in a dog suit. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Already I can see the nightmares. (laughs) You should check it out. It's Mm. crazy. And the crocodile's also a person, but I think (laughs) the dog is just terrifying. Um, But in in that version they did have a woman playing Tinkerbell. Yeah. And they just did some, you know, cinematic effects to make her small. That and this are the only times so far where Tinkerbell's been played by a person. Okay, yeah. And all yeah. the stage plays, she was always just a ball of light yeah. running around the stage. Yeah, okay. Yeah, kind of – that's interesting, but also it's kind of problematic because Tinkerbell is highly, highly sexualized in this. Ooh, she's sexy. Yeah, and, yeah, she's she's kind of hot, but at the same time there's like some really <laughs> weird sort of body image things happening there. Uh-huh. Like the very first thing she does is walk over a mirror and get startled by her own shape. Yeah. And it's really weird and it comes back to what we were saying about how there's just some things in this movie where you go, whoa, okay, that's uncomfortable. I just like, I think of all the Tinkerbell costumes I've seen on kids and like it's amazing you can't see a butt in the animation. Like that is butt height. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Particularly when she's stuck in the lock in the drawer and it's just there's butt. Yeah, yeah. I um yeah, and you just see all the Halloween costumes and things, and they're just so short. Like, yeah. there's no need for an adult version of that costume; it's already done for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, this movie. Anyway, uh, look, 
Do you have anything in particular you wanted to talk about before we talk about the songs? No, let's let's jump jump into that pool. Let's. We'll be right back, guys. Hey guys, Will here. We'd like to thank all our Patreons for their continued support. Without you, we just couldn't make the show, so we thank you all. Uh, if you'd like to contribute to making the show the best it can possibly be, uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash dissectingdisney, where you can get early access to the main feed episodes, other cool stuff as we build our fan base, and just now uh, announcing that we are doing some bonus episodes. Our first bonus episode is going to be on Cinderella 2 and Cinderella 3, the direct-to-video sequels to 1950s Cinderella. So if you want to hear us talk about that, join us, patreon.com slash dissectingdisney. And if you like hearing my voice, you can find it on another podcast, Tabletop Unknown, where we discuss and playtest tabletop role-playing games that aren't Dungeons & Dragons. We've just recorded and are now releasing Season 4, uh, which covers Bubble Gumshoe, a teenage mystery detective game. So come and join us there, Tabletop Unknown. Do you remember... When we just done the first podcast. Yeah. And you did it in the voice of Jiminy Cricket. I do, yeah. And we were like, oh, we, you should do that every time in the <laughs> yeah. voice of a character. And then I realised that my voice <laughs> acting skills are not so good and it that, just all sounded the same. Yeah, and that went real well. I mean, today, you should do it as the Indian chief. Oh. <laughs> eject, eject. Oh, oh dear. Boy. Okay, look, stackers, let's let's do it. Let's talk about the songs. It's time for the songs. The second star to the right shines in the night for you to tell you that the dreams you plan really can come true. Okay, so did you write? Second star to the right. I did, yeah. So did I. <laughs> uh, excellent, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I, th- I don't know if we said it on camera, but last week we talked about how a lot of the, the sort of Disney chorus stuff at the at the start of the movie sounds very similar, but I think this is particularly beautiful. So I paid a lot of attention and I rated it, even though it's not going to get a lot for animation or contribution, or contribution to, to story. Yeah, I still think it's quite beautiful. Yeah, these yeah. were um, actually sung by the Judd Conlon Chorus. So they did Alice and they did this one. And right. he basically was a vocal arranger who stepped in at the last minute when the Bing Crosby backup singers left the show. Okay. And so he stepped in and did all the arrangements for them. Yeah. And then he was brought on to do the arrangements for these two movies. I think he does a beautiful job. Yeah, yeah. The The music overall in this movie is pretty good. Mm. It's it's not it's not bad. There's some problems, but we'll get into that, we'll I guess. We'll get there. But, um, what yeah, did you look, give Second Star? Second Star to the right, uh, I gave a four out of five for music. Oh, okay. I gave it a three out of five for lyrics. And then, yeah, one out of five for both uh, animation and contribution to story. <laughs> Okay, so when I <laughs> sat down and started scoring these, I was like, I need to be tougher like Will. <laughs> I may have gone too hard. Here we go, here we go. Do it, do it. Music, 2.5. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Lyrics, 2. Okay, yeah, yeah. Animation and contribution, 0. <laughs> Again, I probably should have given them 0. I just I forget that 0 is a score I can give. <laughs> So it's they should credits. definitely be zero. It is. It's just credits and it literally, you could take it out, nothing, nothing happens. Nothing would happen. At least When You Wish Upon a Star ends with Jiminy Cricket singing a bit. This literally yeah. ends with credits. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to quickly change mine to zero 
because they should have been zero. And I, I gave them one and thought about it at the time and I went, they, it, one is the lowest score I can give, but it's not. I it's can give not. zero. So they're going to be zeros. Yeah. It is a very, very pretty song. So pretty. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't think the lyrics are anything magical, but the, the melody is so beautiful and just, yeah. I, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice lullaby. It is, yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's second star to the right. Okay, on to You Can Fly! Say, that's it. You think of a wonderful thought. Any happy little thoughts? Uh-huh. Like toys at Christmas, sleigh bells, snow? Yep. Watch me now. Here I go. It's easier than pie. He can fly. You can fly. He flew. <laughs> <laughs> He flew uh, or he flewed? Flewed, I think flewed. it is. Yeah. No, no, no. There's a lot of mispronounced words such as yeah. flewed and aborigines. Oh. I actually physically felt a reaction oh, I was then. like, what? <laughs> oh, uh, no. We'll get you there. You can fly. Okay. Um, again, I thought this was really beautiful. This is fun. Yeah. I really like this song. I think what um, uh, told me with the the scoring is that the first time you hear it, mm. they're speaking yeah, the lyrics whilst it's played. That's a really strange choice, I think. And it isn't until you sort of hear the the, the Judd chorus voices come into yeah. it that it gets really, really and you great. Go, oh, that's how it is because mm. they, they just start it again when yeah. they're flying out the window. Like, we're just going to start that again and this time we're going to sing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> think of a wonderful thought, any merry little thought. But the way that that sort of builds as well, it's almost like, um, have you seen 2001, A Space Odyssey? No. So there's this sort of like eerie, like um, vocalizations. It's not even really singing. It's just sort of like a, like it's sort of I'm sorry, it's like a what? It's like a, <laughs> that kind of builds uh, when the monolith is there, which again you haven't seen it, so that's not going to make a lot of sense. But there is <laughs> there's this weird sort of musical vocalizations that that build into this eerie sound. And, and how do they go? <laughs> <laughs> um, the way this starts with the Judd chorus coming in is very similar. It's like a sort of <laughs> like it's just it's very. You know, what? I'm not doing it any justice and. I don't feel drunk, but I feel like I am a little bit drunk. <laughs> I haven't been drinking today, but this, what am I doing with my life, stackers? I don't know. I'm trying really hard to look enthused at the same time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what is he doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, boy. You know what? I am wasting time. Okay. So what did you rate? Yeah, okay. Okay. I rated it four out of five for music, uh-huh. three out of five for lyrics, Uh-huh. Four out of five for animation Ooh. and three out of five for contribution to story. Oh, we split. Okay, yep. so music I gave this three and a half. Yep. Lyrics I gave three. Yep. Animation and contribution I gave two. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I thought it makes its point. Mm. 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 I, I feel like it makes its point in the dialogue with the music behind it and then we just don't need to hear it again for the next five minutes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the animation I thought was okay. I don't know. I didn't love it. No, it's fair. There was just a couple of moments where it really stuck out to me as being um, quite unique and stunning. And it was when you see like the shadow, the way shadows move on the ground as they're sort oh, of yeah. flying across it. I thought that like a lot of that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the flying through London at night, I just thought it was really stunning. So yeah. that's. I don't um, mean to hammer in the fact you haven't been to Disneyland, but 
<laughs> when I was there, we went on the Peter Pan ride. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think the major difference between me and a Peter and a Disneyland obsessed person is they'd be like, it's called the flight of Peter Pan as we are. I don't know. <laughs> the Peter Pan ride. And basically this ride had one of the biggest queues and apparently it's one of the oldest rides in okay. Disneyland. Yeah. It also, I think, is one of the rides that breaks down the most. Okay. <laughs> I think it broke down like three times when we're in the line. Yeah, yeah. But uh, basically you get on one of the ships with the big sail mm. kind of thing and I think you can seat two people, maybe four people in them. Yeah, okay. And uh, you just fly over London basically. Oh, cool. okay. And you can see like the characters and stuff. But because the whole thing you're in flight, inverted commas, I thought it was one of the most beautiful rides. Yeah. In the whole park. Yeah. It just, it did, if you just let that bit of your imagine, imagination go, you did legitimately think you were flying. Yeah. And yeah. it was just pretty. It's really, really pretty. It's really That's dark awesome. and just yeah. like lights and you can see the characters and you just, you feel like you're in the sky. It's really nice. And is that at a particular Disney site? I think it's in, I don't know. I went to the one in um, California. Yeah. Okay. Which is not, I think the main one's Orlando, but I think they're pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, there yeah, you go. Very pretty. So did you rate A Pirate's Life? No. The, okay. uh, this song kind of just came and went. I think I was still getting over the whole Indian thing that happened yeah. before this with the trees. Yeah. The shock. Yeah. Hadn't <laughs> 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 rested yet. Yeah, yeah, fair. Okay, stackers. This brings me to Songs from the Cutting Room Floor. Songs from the Cutting Room, Songs from the Cutting Room, Songs from the Cutting Room Floor. Bow! Okay, so... um. As you said before, this song has been in was in production since the start of Disney. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, this movie was in production since the start of Disney. Wanted it to be the second after Snow White. It got delayed. There was a song written way back in the nineteen thirties um, for the introduction to the Pirates, which then was replaced by A Pirate's Life. But I'll just quickly right. play that for you now. <laughs> When the bosun pipes a tune, when the bosun pipes a tune, he always serenades you with a chanty you can croon. There's a twinkle in his eye, and nobody can deny that when he starts to play right away, it's hotter than the 4th of July. Um, but essentially, yeah, that was written and recorded in 1939. Okay. Um, and it is, as far as I know, the only song that was written that early on. I'm assuming then that they went into p- production on Pinocchio um, and that sort of took up their their time and their energy. Nothing else from that time was recorded. That was the only one from the early, uh, the late 30s, sorry. There you go. Yeah. That's probably why there's so many people credited for music and lyrics because – the songs were probably written over the space of 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and then you had Second Start of the Right, which started off as an Alice in yeah. Wonderland song and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of sort of chopping and changing here. And the other song that I'll get to um, a little bit later was then sort of part of it was recycled and used as inspiration for a song for one of the Aladdin sequels. Ah. So it is interesting and it, it's interesting, like, if we go back to the animation and character the way characters are drawn and stuff, that's why I sort of thought – they must have just recycled some of Lampwick for mm. Peter because there does seem to be this a lot of um, recycling and reimagining. Like we've got Second Star of the Right, we've got this other song, all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, it is interesting going through it like this and seeing how Disney chops and changes and recycles where they can. Yeah. yeah. Next up we have Following the Leader. Following the leader, the leader, the leader. We're following the leader wherever he may go. 
So did you bother writing it? I did. Yeah, so did, did I. you? Yeah, yeah. I did. yeah. It's going to be bottom of the. Actually, it's not the lowest it score I gave. Uh, but it's close. I think it's a tie. I think between this and something else. But yeah, yeah um, what did you rate it? One point five for music. Yep, it's cute, but it's nothing extraordinary. Yep, lyrics I gave one. It, mm-hmm. Again, it's simple, but it's not mind-blowing. Animation I gave one, contribution I gave zero. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm kind of similar. Um, I gave it a two for music. Okay. One for lyrics. Yep. Two for animation. Mm-hmm. The only reason I gave it a two and not a one is because there's uh, later on in the song when it's not just them walking through the forest, there's a couple of funny things with different animals that are that are there that oh, sort yeah, of yeah. creates a slightly interesting thing to look at. So that's why I gave it a two and not a one. Um, but then, yeah, contribution to story, I gave it a one as well. Mm. Look, we we've we discussed with the Dumbo episode how we would sometimes talk about these sort of problematic songs and things like that, and offer um, reductions or like penalty points or something. I think the thing with the difference that we have between Dumbo and this song is that the Dumbo song, the problem with the song was the characterization and the the music and the lyrics themselves from memory. Now, now challenge me if this is incorrect, but from memory, the music and the lyrics themselves weren't problematic. Oh, you're talking about Dumbo. Dumbo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it was the characterization and the voices and the, mm. the, that sort of stuff was the problematic side yeah. of it. This song, the music and lyrics are problematic as well as the characterization, as well as the depictions, everything about everything. the song is problematic. Oh, dear. So I looked at this and I looked at the lyrics and I went, is there a way that I can offer any points to this song, thinking along the lines of how we're going to give penalties and all that sort of stuff, but there is just so much wrong with this that I couldn't even think where to begin. I just wrote, nope. <laughs> yep, I just wrote, not rating it. <laughs> Um, um, it's it's horrifying. Yeah, let's play a little bit. Why does he ask you how? Why does he ask you how? What the engine didn't know, all the things that he know now. But the engine, he should learn a lot, and, and it's all from asking how. There's just so many things wrong that I don't know where to start. Um, Let me start with a fun fact. Sure, let's, yeah. Let's start. Let's start with fun interesting. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. So cool. this is the Indian chief is voiced by Candy Condito, who is white. Uh, oh but my, my fun little link was he is the voice of the angry apple tree in The Wizard of Oz. What do you think you're doing? Oh, really? The one that throws the apples. Oh, okay. That's a much nicer How would you feel if I came and picked some apples off of you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go back to that, Candy Candida. He did a bunch of stuff for Disney after this. But, um, yeah, I think it's important to note he, despite his incredible bass voice, Mm, mm. which often we associate that with people of colour, definitely was not. He's a white dude. Yeah. This is, I think this... Um, and this isn't to minimise the depictions that we saw in Dumbo either, but I think this probably this is potentially a more problematic depiction of stereotyping and and people of colour, particularly with a, a culture that we don't really know a lot about here in Australia. Mm. Um, like the First Nation people of the Northern America, North America. Um, I, the only interactions I had or knowledge I gained about those cultures was through movies like this. Yep. Um, 
and also you know some of the older um, cowboy movies, you know Clint Eastwood cowboy yeah, movies, yeah. things like that. Like all of them, very racially insensitive, very very stereotypical, um, and it's unfortunate because I think that there's a lot to know there about these sort of rich cultures that is very, very boiled down and distilled into this really insensitive portrayal. Yeah, and I think it's just um, what makes it just even sadder is, and it's sort of similar to how European settlement treated um, the Indigenous population here. Mm. When European settlement landed in America, Mm. they wiped out up to 80% of the American Indian population. Yeah. And um, that was through a number of means. There were there were battles where they killed people, they enslaved them and worked mm. them to death. But then the biggest one was they introduced disease such as smallpox and just wiped out yeah. a whole yeah. sector of that population. And then, you know, you, we, we know in our own traditional um cultures how diverse the indigenous cultures are yeah we know that you know it varies between kilometers in their traditions and their languages and their their beliefs and their um their way of living and it's exactly the same way in america Mm. um but they were wiped out so so fast and then what was left was these western um stereotypes that they created of, oh, this is just what they're all like yeah, yeah. and they all wear these headdresses and dance around fires and, and make these sounds and that's mm. what it is. And then unfortunately, like you said, that's what we come to believe. Oh, that's what American Indians are like. Yeah. You know, we had redskins as a lolly for crying yeah, out loud, yeah, you yeah. know. I mean there still is a, a um, I believe there still is an American football team called the, the are they called the Redskins or the Chiefs? I think they're the red skin yeah. sport. Yes, yeah, sport. <laughs> so there's something insensitive there about it as well. Yeah, it's just so prevalent still. And I was thinking about this last night actually because I was watching MasterChef, and I know you haven't watched this episode yet. So I'll that's right. And- I'm not going to. You can spoil the way. I'm not going to. Okay, up. cool. Well, it was basically a team challenge in um, Central Australia. They were at Uluru. Oh yeah, they went they were, to Uluru. Yeah, and they were doing this challenge around native ingredients and what you know taking. Um, food that's grown here as opposed to food that was been introduced and making these amazing dishes. And I was thinking about it when I was watching it that we, you know, you hear that statistic that there is so many hundreds of of different individual cultures within what we know as the Indigenous population and then they all have their own different languages and different customs and culture and sort of like mini culture, not mini cultures, but like their own mm. culture within sort of the Indigenous culture. And I was thinking about how varied it must be because you've got one culture that may be at Uluru, cooking, hunting, you know, using ingredients from that section of the country mm. and how different that must be to a, another culture that's centred around maybe the Daintree rainforest and the, the the ingredients and the foods and all that sort of stuff that are available there and how much of a shame it is that I don't know more about that. Yeah, and we still have, I mean, I didn't watch this episode, but I'm assuming Mm. it was just these are native ingredients. It wasn't, these are the ingredients that the XYZ tribe uses in this part of Australia to hammer home the point that we need to start acknowledging different cultures um, and different traditions amongst Mm. the Indigenous population. We still are quick to go, oh, this is just traditional food. Yeah, this is is bush food. Is Is it? it? Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's fa- yeah. It, it makes me sad that I don't know more about this, and then it makes me angry 
when I look at depictions like what we had in Peter Pan and go, well, there is surely so much more to it. Mm. And I can't imagine what it would have been like to be someone of this ethnicity yeah. watching that and being like, oh, okay, this yeah. is what is what people will think of me Yeah, now. cool. All right, Australians are going to watch this and go, yeah, there's – cool, that's – Yeah. That's, we're, yeah. We're stupid and – the. You know, even, cunning but less intelligent. That's it, cunning but yeah. less intelligent. And then the first time you see them, they're like hairs above their eyes, yeah. they've got these massive yeah. noses. They look dopey. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, it's just... Ugh. It's sad. And they have, can... they have updated, apparently, this song. So it's no longer called What Makes the Red Man Red. It's called What Makes the Brave Man Brave. And they re-recorded it. Okay. But I was kind of... Shocked knowing that, that when I watched the movie on Disney Plus, yeah. it's still the original Yeah, I was going to say, lyric, it's definitely what makes the red man red on Disney Plus. Yeah. yeah. Which is so bad. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, it's, we look, we, we know better now. We need to do better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Let's move on, shall we? Moving along to probably the most boring song in the entire movie, <laughs> Your Mother and Mine. Your mother and mine. Your mother and mine. The helping hand that guides you Remember when I was like in Alice in Wonderland, uh, what was that song called? Something about choices. Very good advice. Very good advice. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. this song was fantastic. And yeah, you were like, I yeah. fell asleep. Yeah. That's how I felt about this song. <laughs> yeah, no, I was the same. I it's sad because I remember in Hook, Wendy sings a song called You're Not Alone. When you're all alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That song's never left me. I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like John Williams, yeah. respect. Um this song is so nothing. I was looking at it on the list thinking, what is that? Like no. when does that come in? It's ironic that it's the song that she's using to try and make everyone fall asleep because I was very much on the borderline <laughs> of, of absolute sleep. So, <laughs> so can I guess you didn't rate it all that highly then? I gave it 1100. Zero, zero. Okay, yeah. I gave it uh, 2, 1, 1 and 2. Oh. Yeah, I we are opposite. We've turned tables. I'm just yeah. After last week's discussion, you've obviously gone harsher, and you I've just, just gone. You keep relaxed. bringing in my ear of like when you go to give something a three, and you look back, and you're like, "But I gave that a three, but yeah. this is really a three, and now do I have to make this a, you know?" And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm like, if I legit don't think it's worth anything, yeah, be honest, be brutal, yeah. Um, so that brings us to the elegant Captain Hook. <laughs> Yep, yep. 
I'd tapped out. By this point in the movie, I had tapped out. I did not care. I was waiting for the credits. Yeah, I think by this point in time, I was done with Peter. I just oh didn't God. care. The the little tantrum he has when they decide to go back to their home. Can we talk about that mermaid scene? I know we're going back a little bit. But oh, absolutely. That we can. mermaid yeah, scene. Let's do it. When when first of all, he would know that the mermaids all just like freak out when Wendy gets there. Yeah. But when they start attacking Wendy, I literally said out out loud, where is Peter? Yeah. And then it cuts to him and he's laughing. Yeah, yeah. Little shit. Yeah. But the one thing I don't really get is why does everyone want to fuck Peter? Like (laughs) everyone wants to fuck him. Even after that, she's still like, Peter. But Peter. But Peter. Fuck, Wendy, you're better than this. You are not silly. Yeah, oh, God. That's what I just, like, don't understand. And Walt Disney himself said mm. he never was truly satisfied, satisfied with this film because he didn't think that Peter Pan was sympathetic enough. It's the one thing that he has said or done that I can get on board with. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He is just detestable in every way. And I was mm. the same. I don't understand why everyone's like, oh, oh Peter. Peter. <laughs> Jesus. The mermaids I sort of get because he is just playing into this. They, you know, they look at him like he's Brad Pitt. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, hot. Yeah. I'm hot. And look at all these like half naked bitches I got <laughs> <laughs> swimming around me. <laughs> yeah. ah, seashells. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. You can see the inspiration for Ariel. Yeah, there, absolutely. Though. I did see that. I did see that. A, li- a little less sort of weirdly sexual, I think. Yeah. But for Ariel, I mean, not yeah. for this one. Yeah, this again adds to that really weird sexualization of all of most of the female characters in this. Like even Tiger Lily to some extent is treated as a bit of a sort of not sexual figure so much, but she is a romantic figure for Peter. Every female is a romantic mm. figure for Peter. Mm. Every female. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, yeah, it's it's really perplexing. And again, if I think about, like I said last week, I'm trying to sort of approach these movies thinking about what people would have been, what children of the time would have been taking away from this. Mm. The messages in this movie are so problematic. Atrocious. And again, just getting past the racial stuff for a second, the misogyny is so overt and gross. Yep. Oh, my God. He treats them all like trash. They all want to bone him. He treats them all like trash. And it's just like, oh, the second star to the Yeah, line. yeah. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought I'd come out of this thinking that Captain Hook is the best man in I this? have never wanted the villain to win yeah, so yeah. much in my life. Yeah. Just chuck the hook through his neck, mate. Like- yeah, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. I have to say my favourite moment, the only point where I, like, had a good time, and yeah. I actually remember this from when I was a kid, is when Smee is giving Captain Hook a shave and he shaves the yeah. butt of the bird. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah. My laugh out loud moment for the, the movie was right at the end when um, Captain Hook is, and Peter have their fight and Captain Hook loses. Um, he gets like shot out of the crocodile's mouth and starts skipping along yeah. the water oh, like no. a stone. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> in um, so traditionally, the voice, uh, sorry, the actor who plays Captain Hook also plays Mister Darling. Yeah, and they did that in this movie as well. I was going to ask if that was the case. Yeah, cause... so Hans Conried voiced both of them, and he yeah. was a massive radio star yeah, at the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he is my favorite character in the movie. Mm. It's really interesting that we do associate that being the case because. Obviously with Hook, the there's no 
is there does Dustin Hoffman play another character as a part as opposed to Captain Hook? I don't think he does. I don't think so. so. There's no doubling there, but there is then in the 2003 live action Peter Pan, Jason Isaacs plays uh, Wendy's dad and Captain Hook. Mm. So it is interesting that that's a trope because it only really happens in two movies. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I was interested to see whether that occurred and it, it did. So that's great. Mm. Um, so, look, that brings us to the final song. Oh, did you rate the elegant Captain Hook? I did rate the elegant Captain Hook. <laughs> we didn't even rate it. Well, I get whatever. Moving on. Um, <laughs> what did you give it? Uh, I gave it a three for music and a three for lyrics. I gave it a two for animation and a two for contribution to story. <laughs> <laughs> the tables have truly turned. Yeah, I'm glad I put so much thought and effort <laughs> into that. <laughs> I put two for music. One for lyrics, one for animation, zero for contribution. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair I enough. Was, to be honest, I was a bit asleep. The, the only reason why... Why did you give the lyrics so, so high? Let me just pull up the lyrics again, sorry, because there is a reason. Okay, so I gave the lyrics a three because I just thought there was some really fun little, um, like, wordy moments in it. Like, he talks about the being a special offer for today. Those who sign without delay will get a free tattoo. And I just thought that was really funny. And they were all like, yeah, okay, I'll go and sign. Just, and it's, it's little things like that. Um, I probably slightly over-marked it. It maybe should be a two or a two and a half as opposed mm. to a three. But I'll just I'll stick with a three. It's not, it's not blaring enough that I want to change it. So, mm. yeah. But the reason why I gave it a three for music – and sorry, what did you rate it for music again? Um, two. A two. The reason I gave it a three for music is like I find the key really enjoyable – there's just really interesting things that happen. So try the life of a thief, just sample the life of a brook. There isn't a boy who won't enjoy a working for Captain Hook. The world's most famous crook. The crook, trickety, crockety, trickety, crook, the crock is after Captain yeah, it's just that it's that builder. I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's... Yeah, I don't know if that's a key thing or a, I don't know much about music theory, so I'll have to like just tap out of that. But there is something really interesting about that build that I really yeah, like. No, I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to the next song from the cutting room floor. Songs from the cutting room. Songs from the cutting room. Songs from the cutting room. Oh, so this song was replaced. Re, this song replaced a song called, just called The Pirate Song. And it was a very similar sort of vibe. It was the pirates trying to convince the Lost Boys into signing up and being a part of Captain Hook's crew. Right. So I'll just quickly play that for you. If you choose to be a pirate, it's a choice you'll not regret. You can stay up every night till after ten. There'll be no one here to make you wear your rubbers when it's wet. And you'll never have to brush your teeth again. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> you know what? Have to make you wear your rubbers if it's wet. <laughs> it just caught me unawares. <laughs> so that's the pirate song. Um, I'm usually really mature. <laughs> oh, no need to be mature on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that the Elegant Captain Hook is a more interesting song than the Pirate Song. Um, but like I said, some of it gets sort of like 
recycled and revamped and stuff. And I'll I'll just quickly play you that in particular, you'll never have to brush your teeth again line. That line in particular was used as inspiration for um, Welcome to the 40 Thieves, which is from Aladdin Part 3. Aladdin 3. Oh, my God. Now you get to lie and cheat. Never have to brush your teeth. But we always aim to please. Never one another. You'll never miss your mother. Oh, I love you guys. Oh, it's a similar kind of song. Similar kind of song. It is about, like, just sign up with the 40 Thieves. It's going to be so great. You don't yeah. have to brush your teeth. And, again, the the, uh, the pirate song is, you know, sign up for Captain Hook's thing. You won't have to wear your rubbers when they're wet and you'll never have to brush your teeth again. Oh, dear. So. <laughs> and I, I forgot Aladdin 3 was, like, the only video you owned as a child or something, wasn't it? It was Aladdin 2. Oh, okay. But Aladdin 3 was also a family favourite. So <laughs> I am really looking forward to the bonus episode where we can talk about Aladdin 2 and 3. It's going to be all you just like oh, frothing over the It is. Sequel. It's going to be that what, what's, there's like a meme or something where it's like someone's just getting shouted at by another person. It's going to be you just like listening to me <laughs> shouting about how good the breakup song from Return of Jafar is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, we've invoked Aladdin two and three so much on this podcast. <laughs> so much. That's more than when I they'll we sign would. up for Patreon <laughs> yeah. when we announce we're doing that episode. Yeah. Oh boy! But look, that's all the songs we have. A reprise of "You Can, you can Fly,", fly. Um, but there's nothing much more. That is the lowest scoring overall that we've done so far. Is it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll have to tally and have a look at it. Angie's anecdotes. So Angie. Angie, along with myself, did not like this movie very much. Um, and she, I, I, gave, I have one Angie's anecdote that I think sums up how we've both felt about the movie at various points in time. Very early on in the movie, I think it's only just as they arrive in Neverland, Angie turns to me and goes, I've tapped out for the last 15 minutes. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> That was me. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. totally me. It's such a hard movie to keep focused on. It's just because I, I can't hammer it home enough. There is so much wrong with this movie. Yeah, and I just I think because I hated Peter so yeah. much, I was like, I just don't care. Yeah, yeah. I do not care. No, that's it. Well, get on with it, girl. All right, stackers. So. That brings us to the end of Peter Pan. I wish it was the end forever, but sadly the film will continue to exist. (laughs) (laughs) But we've tallied the scores and we have a winning song for Peter Pan. It is You You Can Can Fly. When there's a smile in your heart, there's no better time to start. Which I don't think was a surprise to anyone, really. Anybody. Anybody. If you're a fan of the show, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us some feedback down on the old Apple iPod cast thing. And uh, 
Let us know what you think on Facebook and also Instagram. We love hearing your feedback. We love getting your messages. And uh, whilst you're at it, feel free to sign up to our Patreon where we will be putting up some bonus episodes very shortly. I've already put it in the ad read, so they know that it's going to be Cinderella 2 and 3, the direct-to-video sequels to the 1951 movie. Boy, oh, boy, are we excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You You know what always screams massive success? a direct-to-video sequel that comes more than 50 years after the first movie. (laughs) So I think we're in for a wild ride. (laughs) Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.